Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 23rd, 2019. Uh, we are coming to you not live from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. And uh, you can join the fun by emailing us at uh, shortcut at hfec.org. Uh, and uh, we will start off then today with our sponsor. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Ordinary Time. Come on, grab your friends. We're going to very distant lands with Paul the Apostle and Luke the Physician. The fun will never end. It's ordinary time. And if you get that deep cut reference from a child's TV show, email us. <laughs> you get a prize. Oh, you're going to be cruel and make it. I know, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, but I thought I'd have a little bit of fun with that because uh, ordinary time. We had a little bit of a discussion last week yeah. about uh, uh, what the heck is it, and what a bland name it was. Uh, right. This period of time had been given, and uh, uh, and how it's marginally better than uh, the time after Pentecost. The season after the season Pentecost. after season Pentecost. sounds nice. We give it a so yeah. We Seasons call it a season. <laughs> Which has a beginning and a middle and an end, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess ordinary time doesn't sound like it, it will ever end. Right. Um, but either <laughs> way, they don't have interesting features. Either way, uh, uh, could use could use some uh, uh, sprucing up. Uh, uh, I think uh, from Better a marketing PR. standpoint, yeah. yeah. Let's rebrand it. Yeah. So get on that uh, this next uh, this next diocesan cycle uh, <laughs> and and vote for I don't know. We got to come up with something flashy. Vikings. <laughs> Viking time. Viking time. <laughs> <laughs> and that will get one vote. Uh, me. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's jump into the readings. Uh, we're going to go the tract uh, that has Isaiah, uh, chapter 65, verse 1 through 9, and that reads thusly, I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said... Here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, Keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. See, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their inequities and their ancestors' inequities together, says the Lord. Because they offered incense on the mountains and reviled me on the hills, I will measure into their laps full payment for their actions. Thus says the Lord, as the wine is found is found in the cluster, and they say, Do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it. So I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, inheritors of my mountains. My chosen shall inherit it. And my servants shall settle there. So, uh, I believe we've talked about this before. The different, the three different authors for Isaiah. Yeah. Uh, is this the tail end? Right. The the, the trailing author. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. Uh. I was struck a little bit there by, um. Um. In the first verse, 
it, it calls something very familiar to those who read scripture. Uh, uh, there's a number of different stories where a person or a character says something like, here I am, Lord. Um, and uh, um, uh, it's, it's kind of invoked here again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the long and short of this uh, seems to be geared towards um, um, uh, a story of kind of e- equality and that we're, you know, we're not, one group of people is not too holy for the other. Uh, and, yeah. or, or, or where, where's, where is this story? Where is it? It's more of a poem. Where is this poem yeah. uh, um, trying to, to direct the, the listener, the reader? Yeah, it's a poem or a hymn. Um, and actually the first person is God's voice. Mm. So it, Unlike the, the passages you were referring to, which are humans saying, here I am, send me. This is, this God, is God saying, saying hey, here I am, here to I am doggone it, <laughs> right. pay attention. Over here. Over here, over here. Waving a hand. And... Yeah. And while, they're, while the people who are the subject of this are following the practices of the false gods. Mm, okay. And the types of sacrifices they're offering and where they're offering them. And that they're hanging out in tombs. Um, you know, playing um, ghost hunters and <laughs> trying to get the wisdom from uh, the dead folks, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, and God's saying, come on, you don't have to do that. You know, and, and that's part of the interesting thing with many uh, non-Judeo-Christian faiths is that, well, I'm most of the time willing to say, yes, they're, they're worshiping God, even if it's by another name. In this case, Isaiah particularly is saying, look, you're, you're, you're doing too much work. It's mm. not this hard. Just turn to God, and you don't have to do all this rigmarole of waving rubber chickens over your head in order to find out what God wants you to do. You don't have to go to the tombs. You don't have to was that this. a thing? Rubber chickens? Well, not then. That's no. why I chose it. <laughs> Actually, it's from an old Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> I was going to say that sounded a little yeah. familiar, but I couldn't figure out where that was from. We all have our own literary sources. Ah, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so that this is one of those passages where both God is saying, don't be doing this. This is mm. stupid to do, and I'm not going to forget you even though you're doing it. So it is a um, waggy finger passage mm-hmm. but not to the extent of being thrown into the fire and gnashing of teeth and that sort yeah of thing. it does kind of carry an implication though it, it, it's almost like that it's it's like that uh um veiled threat mm-hmm. uh because the 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 passage the psalm or psalm uh the 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 uh the the hymn or the the, the poem does kind of bring that back into the the discussion there at the end of like Kind of as a reminder. By the way, I could, I would, I could destroy you all. I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> who said that? And it's yeah. like, who said destroy them all? I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, and that's just a reminder though that I could. That, yeah, that's one of those themes that we sometimes forget from the Noah story, is that after the flood, and and again for Episcopalians, we think this is simply a metaphor. It's not a historic account. After the flood and the earth being restored, the, the tide going out, so to speak, mm-hmm. one of the promises God makes is that I will never do this again. Right. And so this, in some ways, harkens back to that kind of promise. 
Right. That there will, there will never again be a mass punishment of the people, no matter how off track you go. Right. Which right, is right. A, a key theology that really was unusual in the ancient world, where the gods were seen as being extremely human and therefore very unpredictable, very emotional, and likely to wipe out any given city or people at the drop of a hat. Right. Uh, you know, the coffee was cold, going to wipe out that city. So this part of the, this story and the Noah story put together is that God is so much better than that. Gotcha. And really well beyond human motivations. And so while we're made the image of God, God's not limited to our image. Do we see that influence in Old Testament writing then, hearkening uh, back to what you were talking about of, of, of uh, attributing human qualities to... Uh, to to deities at the time, um, is that why? Do do we think that's that, that's why the Old Testament God seems to be uh, uh, much more fire brimstone and and or or like do we feel like that's an influence and, and well, part of the reason why those characteristics are emphasized? It's certainly an influence, but I'm one of the I'm one of those folks that say if we really look at passages as a whole, most of the time where we, we think of that as, oh, there's God and fire and brimstone. It almost always has a twist ending mm. where God looks like that's what God's doing. But if we, if we really read multiple chapters, mm. then we'll see, oh, wait, there's a different punchline than in the other ancient myths that were very much like this. For instance, with Noah, where there's, Gilgamesh has a flood epic that sounds almost identical, mm -hmm. but it does not end with the God saying, oh, we'll never do that again. Whereas the scripture, the Bible's uh, Noah story does end with gotcha. God saying, I'm never going to do it again. So it's taking sometimes the, the popular religion, which was not Judaism, and taking the popular religion and rephrasing pieces of it to, to point the differences out. Mm -hmm. But now that those ancient religions are, many of them, completely lost, we don't know what they were, it can be harder to figure out what was a reference that made God turn out a lot better than the more popular gods on the right. market. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, anything else about uh, this passage in Isaiah? Um, no, we better just move on. We only okay. have so much time. Gotcha. <laughs> So uh, a reading from the letter of Paul to the Galatians here, uh, chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many, of you, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew, Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So, again, uh, another passage that does open up uh, and just attempting to open up the original understanding of God's children or right. or, or, or 
Who's uh, God's people, yeah. uh, uh, which does harken back to our first reading there, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, very clearly in Isaiah's time, in the time of Isaiah, uh, when when it was written, uh, very factional. Uh, the the world was divvied up, very divvied up, and yeah. this was, you know, the 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 story about you know God's chosen was because this was out of the soul out of the group of people the, the closest you know who who would follow um uh, their creator closely and and, so and, and right yeah yeah and uh now this is saying okay the that that old world is dead now and now we are opening up those the tearing down those walls and opening it up to 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 everyone and 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 even more interesting than um just saying that it it he goes to great length to to specify, um, you know, this, I'm not just talking about Jew and Greek. I'm talking about slave or free. I'm talking mm-hmm. about men and women, uh, all of which were different divisions, right? Uh, that were fairly strong at the time, right? I right. Mean, um, so the one thing I will point out: many, many slave slavery in the time of Paul was not nearly as terrible as slavery was in the United States. That. Instance, really? Yeah. That, for instance, if you were usually, it was much closer being an indentured servant, mm-hmm. which also may not make sense to people today. But the, the quickest way to explain it is that uh, in the Roman Empire, if you were a slave, you could almost always buy your way out. And sometimes family members would do that because mm-hmm. usually it was because of a debt. Um, and even if you were... Uh, say taken in war as a prisoner of war, in which case it was harder to buy your way out, your slavery ended with your life. If you married and had children, your children were not slaves, were not property of the <clears throat> slave owner. Hmm. Yeah, that was a very it was not nearly as an inhumane institution as it was in the United States, even though many of the slaveholders in the United States used biblical passages to justify what they were doing. Hmm. I was. I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little skeptical uh, when you started off saying uh, it, slavery was not as bad as. <laughs> I was like, eh, I'm not entirely sure you're going to be able to pull this off. But I guess objectively, that is not as bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, you know, applaudable. No, but, <laughs> no, not at all. But it is. It is. Uh, that that is objectively uh, uh, not as bad, especially the their perpetuation through uh, generation. Yeah, because. Uh, Part of what that gave was hope to people who were slaves that their children literally would have a better life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, there was not... What the, a weird form of creditor's jail, though. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. And, and, the, and probably the foundational difference is that there was never since... Well, I shouldn't say never, but legally and for the most of the culture, there's not a sense of the enslaved person being less than a person. Mm-hmm. Whereas again in American slavery, there is almost always, uh, there almost had to be a sense of dehumanization because the right. conditions were so horrendous and uh, was per- perpetrated so deplorable. Yeah, uh, I also find it interesting that this um, this passage also kind of touches a little bit on uh, what we discussed for Isaiah in that it uh, identifies what I had said about like the old testament god which is a way that a lot of us will refer to god in from old yeah. testament readings uh uh it kind of it implies there like look we're no longer subject to a disciplinarian which ah. 
or or is that is that not because uh, I'm obviously interpreting it from a two thousand year old uh, you know two thousand year in the future mm-hmm. perspective. Is that not uh, referring to God of the Old Testament? I think this translation, which is a very common translation, mm-hmm. comes out of the very perspective you mentioned, because the real Greek word would better be translated as nanny. The, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Head, uh, your face is going, wah! Because <laughs> nanny, I guess. Uh, the, okay. the Greek term was for the household member, usually a slave, who was the one in charge of the children and kept them safe. Hmm. So it's a lot different to think of the law as the nanny rather than as the disciplinarian. Hmm. Yeah, because it, when you describe it that way, the first thing that comes more to mind are the analogies throughout New Testament scripture of shepherd. Yeah, it, yeah, um, that, would, that would have been a decent equivalent, right? Because when you say disciplinarian, it's more that that more implies uh, a, a different aspect because you're, that the disciplinarian is charged with. Uh, uh, holding your feet to the fire, yeah. setting down the rules, is your homework and done? making yep. sure that you uh, obey and behave. Yeah, Not like so one... much like from a nanny perspective, which is like make sure they still follow rules and blah, 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 but their primary task is to make sure that a child is safe. And yeah, it's, okay. it's a much more loving type of role. Yeah. Okay, well then that drastically kind of changes the, the 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 interpretation then on this because um, initially that was my thought was look I all those old stories are uh, one of they do kind of fall under the line of disciplinarian like God is that would be a good word to describe the God that gets described in in Old Testament readings so, uh, kind of sometimes sometimes <laughs> sometimes I'll give you that but uh, but but. It, it there there is a difference uh, I think ad- admittedly between um, the gist of a story in Old Testament and the gist of a story that involves Christ in the New Testament. Depending on it, which story. You're <laughs> killing me here. I know. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but but and I mean, certainly what you're saying is the popular conception of what the old testament's about for christians old testament let, let, let me let me water it down then a little bit further okay. with the statement uh the old testament stories that you're taught as a child at least uh primarily that version which is what sticks with i think a lot of us uh that version is fairly disciplinarian yeah. in nature uh perhaps there's aspects of the story that then we're not taught as children or right. I don't delve into <laughs> exactly but uh which is like it, i see where you led this uh thirsty camel to water there uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh but yeah but but like that's the impression that we mm-hmm. have uh is that uh um, and culturally in the united states that's how they were often used i mean that, mm-hmm. that's in some ways our unfortunate puritan background as a culture okay where you know, the spare the rod, spoil the child, mm-hmm. ripping that one verse out of Scripture and disregarding all the other parts that are connected with it about being a loving parent mm-hmm. and giving your own life up for your child. Uh, a good example is with the Adam and Eve story that the, the popular Christian interpretation of it is that was original sin. Right. Whereas within Judaism, at least according to my 
rabbi who's a personal friend of mine is, that's considered the story of the original mercy. Because the humans screwed up and God still provided for them. Gotcha. Gave them food, gave them clothing, gave them everything they needed to have good lives, even mm. though they could no longer be in the garden. Whereas Christians, it's like, oh, you, you know, the, the, you almost. It's got a punishment. It. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you could easily read it of the parent who's really kind of going back on the discipline because the mm -hmm. promise was you were going to be destroyed if you consumed the forbidden fruit, and instead that they get to go out and live and, and literally take over the world. Right. There are certainly repercussions. Yeah. There but, are consequences, but it's not death. It's not destruction. Hmm. That's an interesting point of view. Yeah. Uh, that, that that would be that would be something that would be a, a great Bible study or or side. Yeah. Because we don't we, we definitely don't get it into uh, deep enough into those stories during our lectionary readings. Right. Uh, uh, Again, well, the, almost woefully so. Like uh, yeah. the, the 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 stories from. From the Old Testament, never really get uh, too much prominence. The stories do. Right. Most, some of it is because they're too long to fit into a right. lectionary reading. Uh, I mean, yeah, shoot. They're, they're written for people yeah. with a much longer attention span right. than we have. I mean, shoot, the Book of Ruth is the whole story, and yeah, and you have to read all the chapters in yeah, order to get it. That's fascinating, <laughs> but yeah, we don't read all the chapters. Um, so, so we were, and in, in, in a way, that means uh, that we're doing a little bit of a disservice because we don't, especially here in the Episcopal Church. You know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being able to talk about and discuss. Uh, um, um, interpretations of, of readings, and if we don't get into those mm -hmm. old stories, which, like I said, for most of us with a Christian church or a Catholic church background, also is the basis of most of our faith. Yeah, uh, uh, we don't get a chance to then reinterpret what our faith is founded upon. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I'm calling you out here on the podcast, right? And saying <laughs> we're really a better preacher, darn we, it. <laughs> we should do that. Well, you know, it's, it's yeah. also not something you could do, during, you know, yeah. during a sermon homily. I mean, right. it's just it is. It, it does. Take that's too short. A of different a time. kind of time. So uh, look, conversation. Look for Bruce's new, uh, yeah. uh, new, new uh, adult uh, study, and uh, maybe that's what we'll be doing when the school year starts again. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be great. You're welcome. No. I'm <laughs> One more thing I'd put on your plate. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so clearly, I'm enthusiastic, so it'd be fun to do. There you go. Uh, the anything else from from Galatians? I mean, that's kind of it, it's one of those nice compartmentalized uh, uh, verse uh, or readings. So, I don't. But again, it would be good to read before and after, especially with the Pauline letters. Mm -hmm. Galatians is um, relatively short. And so it's a good one to read it all in one sitting to see what mm -hmm. Paul was really trying to communicate uh, to the yeah, recipients. How many, how many verse or how many chapters is like a, oh, a ten? Half a dozen, I think. Yeah, yeah, six. Oh, six. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, yeah, we should we should do that. All right. Well, then moving on, Luke, <clears throat> the the great physician, uh, chapter eight, verses twenty six through thirty nine. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes which is opposite of Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. 
For many times it had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order him, them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much, how much Jesus had done for him. Um, how many of the Gospels does this story show up in? Um, it shows up almost word for word identically in the Gospel of Mark and shows up very similarly in the Gospel of Matthew, and does not appear in the Gospel of John. Yeah, that makes sense. John yeah. had a mission on, uh, to his storytelling, so... And he wasn't so much into describing miracles. Right, 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 right. Um, so, the Gerasenes, uh, opposite of Galilee, I'm trying to picture this in my head, uh, as far as, like... Across the lake. Across the lake, on the other side of the lake. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, basically uh, we're, what we now call the Golan Heights. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right here. I found that right here in my trusty map. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, there's a lot that the story has, a lot of, has been told about this story in regards to casting out of demons, uh, uh, an interesting, uh, interesting discussion about uh, the demons calling themselves legion because there are many uh, mm -hmm. uh and, and interesting uh i also note the uh the the continued uh jewish undertones of like uh like this is a in a way an act of mercy by jesus but he cast mm -hmm. them into swine which are not kosher right so, <laughs> and sent them all into the sea sent them all into the sea to which i assume the jewish audience was like oh good good uh, uh, that's a twofer <laughs> um Although I do find it interesting that when the swineherds saw what had happened, they, I mean, it almost seems like uh, they proclaimed the miracle, whereas really they would be like, he murdered our entire flock of pigs. I mean, <laughs> this guy, it, it like destroyed our livelihood. But it doesn't say that Jesus did that. Doesn't say that Jesus sent the pigs into the sea, into the... No, they that they drove. Them. Yeah, they drove them crazy, and 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 the the pigs and did the, it themselves. The pigs did it themselves, or the demons did it themselves. Mm. It could be either one. We don't know who's now the active mind of those piggies. Gotcha. Um, and, and one of the way, though, within the the folklore of the time, the way that you got rid of a demon was water. So it was more likely. 
what would be in people's minds was the swine said, I don't want this either. I'd rather die. Let's go in the water. Now get rid of the demons. Gotcha. So so I was going to say, because the, the story feels like it has undertones that we miss as a result of our, our yeah. current culture. Um, but uh, but that that is... So, so the story is that they beg Jesus for mercy. Jesus grants it. But at the end, they get, still get their comeuppance and get cast, uh, uh, cast out. Yes, but they are also, the demons are now freed from doing evil. Because mm. they're no longer possessing humans. So they're liberated as, as well as um, pulled out of the human victim, they're also liberated from doing nasty stuff. So it, it, is, there, is there background to like the beliefs on, on, on um, possession in, in the day? Because the way the story reads, they beg to not be cast out, uh, uh, ordered to go back into the abyss. Right. Um, implication being if they're ordered out of this man and into the abyss, then they are then sent elsewhere and given new marching orders as demons or like what's the uh don't we don't know for sure but yeah that's a possibility okay and certainly the abyss was the poetic word for the place of god's enemies gotcha yeah so it was it was the unpleasant place gotcha so so it, it, it at the end of the day the implication being that they, the demons are actually freed yeah uh not uh not Back Vanqu- in business somewhere else. Not vanquished, else. Uh, yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, in that, so in that way, Jesus is merciful even to the demons. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, he, uh, the, the, the man obviously had uh, superhuman strength. That was kind of inter- an interesting little side note. Like, oh, we always bound him, but he hulked out and yeah. got out. And, okay. Um, uh a lot is always made of this passage where even the demons recognize uh, the mm-hmm. importance of, of Christ. But like I said, I feel like there's, I feel like we might be, we must be missing something from the story. I feel like this, this story is more rich yeah. uh, for its original intended audience than it is for us. I feel like we, we, we end up getting a surface cursory. Right. It's one of those that if we take the story too much on a surface value or literally we lose out on the richness. And so one of the key features of it is the recognition of the Jesus as the son of God mm-hmm. and son of the most high God is how it um, reads here. And that. Some have said it takes a divine being to recognize a divine being mm. or um, a spiritual being to recognize a spiritual being. Probably is a better way to put it. Gotcha. And that all the people around Jesus who in this part of Luke are seeing a whole series of miracles of people being healed and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And they're still not seeing who Jesus is. And it's not that they can't. It's that they are refusing to. That... You know, if you saw someone do something like this, like oh, this this person is really amazing, and must be the son of God. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's, oh, let's see what he's going to do next. <laughs> What's the next act? He could be another prophet. Yeah, <laughs> what a great prophet that would be to have around. Um, and 
So in Luke, it's almost sarcastic hmm. that even a demon can see this is the Son of God. <laughs> Come on, people! <laughs> With not so much condemning the the people of this of this account, but rather condemning us mm -hmm. as the current hearers of this story, that we too often don't recognize God's work in our own midst, and especially in our own lives, that we attribute it to our own wonderful abilities and insights rather than giving credit to God. Interesting. I think one of the other things that is uh, um, often said about this passage, which now that I reread it, um, I don't actually see the demons themselves are not really afraid. Mm -hmm. They just don't, they don't want him, uh, to, to, to cast them out, but they, they never says like they, 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 uh, address him this way in, because they're, they're, they, yeah. they're afraid or they're trembling. They, you know, so, cause I think a lot of times this, this, this passage is like, see, see what, see how, see what command he has yeah. over uh, th this is, you know, it's just, no, we like, we like this guy. Please. Yeah. Like, <laughs> We'd rather hang out here with the right. tombs. I know you stadium. can, but I, you know, yeah. but where fear does come into play are the other people. Right. That's and a good point. Yeah. the people are the ones who are afraid and ask Jesus to leave. Yeah. And isn't that interesting? Because of that fear, they have then actually cast themselves, cast Christ out. Mm -hmm. right. As a result, um, so I, I find that interesting because I like I know especially when you get into uh, um, modern uh, writings about uh, uh, the the spiritual forces in this world, and the, you know the, the there there are a number of writers that talk about like the the battles of good and evil behind the scenes that we don't see. Reference things like this mm -hmm. and talk about how you know the 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 forces of evil really actually fear. You know, then that you know, and that you know, giving us a sense of mighty triumphancy, and right. And that's not really that's not really what it no. says. <laughs> and one of the things that comes across again and again and again and again and again and again is the battle's won. Mm -hmm. That if if we are followers of God, we have nothing at all to fear from evil. Right. And it's almost like that's bad marketing for um in the minds of some christians and so they totally ignore that teaching hmm. and instead emphasize the the battle with satan and mm -hmm. the evil forces of this world when in fact the whole point of the, not the whole point but a major point of the crucifixion and resurrection is that all of that is vanquished right but we're too often like the people in the crowd as you just described who say oh no get out of here and that's why bad things happen it's not because Satan's winning. It's because we pretend that Satan is winning, but it's actually our own selfish desires. Mm -hmm. That's that's a very interesting uh, way to view that because it, it, it it's prevalent. It, yeah. it, it's still to this it's, day again, very prevalent. It's deep in our culture, and we can trace it back to the first Christian settlers in the northeast of the United States with that. Mm -hmm. Their very dim view of day-to-day -day existence. Mm -hmm. That they were very... Um, they were down on life. <laughs> I once heard that you're always supposed to look on the bright side of life. Um, 
Thank you, Monty Python. Yeah, thank you, Monty Python. <laughs> thank you, Eric Idle. Yes. Um, any, anything else about the story? Anything uh, uh, like subtle differences between the the Gospels uh, ver- accounts? Are there is there anything I- interesting there, or is this just kind of one of those shared stories that it's it's pretty much one of those shared stories that have pretty much the same form. The one thing we haven't pointed out that probably is self evident is the tombs that we heard about Mm -hmm. in the first reading today, the Isaiah reading of people being among the tombs and trying to play ghost hunters and find out the wisdom of life Mm -hmm. rather than turning to God for the wisdom of life. Mm -hmm. So that's, there's, it seems like by context that readers of the gospels and hearers of the gospel in the original time would have been very familiar with Isaiah. Jesus quotes it over and over and right. over, as yeah. the Gospels do, even without but, Jesus' yeah, mo- voice. Probably, I, I wonder who, if anyone's done a study on that, but oh, probably yeah. the most referenced... I believe so. ...by Christ. Um, but here, it it's very strongly is a reference back to the Isaiah passage. And hmm. people, you know, the Isaiah passage, passage being off track, and then at the end of the story here... Is where people are off track, hmm. where, like you said, they don't want Jesus around. Right. Interesting. All right. Anything else? I think I, I think, think this is good for I today. Think we're good. Well, this was your podcast for June twenty third, twenty nineteen. Uh, join us at eight and ten, or uh, if you're you've been gotten into the habit of it, or not nearby, uh, uh, join us on Sunday afternoon when I post the the homily yeah uh and uh but uh but otherwise uh um, you're like i said you're free to, to email us at shortcut at hfec.org if you have any questions and uh um then i suppose we'll talk to you next time in ordinary time that's right <laughs> season after pentecost <laughs> season's greetings all right i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll see you next week Bye-bye. bye bye bye